Welcome to the Skift Podcast, weekly conversations on global travel trend lines. Amazon has completely changed the retail landscape, and its purchase of Whole Foods last year is now disrupting the grocery business. A few years ago, the company tried offering discounted hotel deals and hotel booking, but ended the service in 2015. So when will the $860 billion behemoth tiptoe back into travel? And if that were to happen, how would it upend the industry? On one hand, Amazon has a huge built-in customer base with its Prime membership program. On the other, a skipped research poll shows consumers might still not be ready to trust the company with their travel purchases. I'm your host, Hannah Sampson, and on today's episode of the Skiff Podcast, we're talking about the Amazon factor in travel, the history, the opportunity, and the potential fallout for everyone else. The conversation you'll hear today took the form of a recent Skift call featuring the expertise of Skift executive editor Dennis Shaw and senior research analyst Seth Borko. You'll hear several references to slides. They're extremely enlightening and can be found online at skift.com slash Amazon hyphen slides. Now here's the discussion on Amazon. Dennis got it started. Fortunately for all concerned, Seth wrote a Skift research report a couple of months ago on Amazon lessons, threats, and opportunities for travel. And I've done some reporting in the past on Amazon's now abandoned and most recent foray in travel, Amazon destinations. Today's battle plan is we'll go through some slides and Seth's going to kick it off by talking about where Amazon stands in e-commerce, its business model, and why companies should care or not care about Amazon potentially getting into the hotel booking business. Then I'll jump in and discuss what Amazon's experience has been in travel and what it might mean for its future pursuits. And hopefully Seth and I will ambush each other along the way and have a back and forth about Amazon's prospects in travel. We'll have a 10 minute Q&A at the end. Feel free to input your questions through the chat function on free conference call or tweet them to us using the hashtag SkiffCall, all one word. The slides you'll be seeing today are available at skiff.com slash Amazon hyphen slides. So Seth, take it away and let's get on with it. Super glad to be here, Dennis. And I think it's, it's gonna be a fun conversation we're gonna have. Um, but I wanted to start really laying the groundwork, not even really so much about travel, but why should you care about Amazon? And I think this is a nice place to start. This caught my attention. Uh, just last week, these two headlines that I put here on this slide, they hit on the same exact day and the same exact morning. Walgreens going to buy back $10 billion in shares. They're going to raise their dividend. They reported earnings, and it was really good. At the same time, Amazon said that they were going to buy an online pharmacy, and they're going to start sending, selling pills online. So same headline, same story. What mattered more? The answer is Walgreens lost almost $6 billion in market cap that, that day. So you know, if Amazon enters travel, you will not get the benefit of the doubt. And so I think it's important to keep that in mind why we care so much about Amazon. Okay, Seth, though, um, the markets will do what the markets will do. But say Amazon announces that it's getting into travel and Expedia loses a billion dollars in value one day. Uh, is that just market panic or, or realistically, is that 
reflect the, the threat that Amazon might pose. Well, look, I agree with you. You don't need to, you can't run your business refreshing a stock price, you know, every 30 seconds. You're right. But it, it does reflect a real concern. I mean, look at what, what this company has done in other sectors, what they did in retail, where they, they entered that space. And then we saw massive bankruptcies in the retail market. Now they're doing something similar in groceries. Now they're in, in pills. I mean, I think it is a reflection of very real concerns that this is a, a real tough competitor, which is why you should care. But Part I guess we'll see that maybe Amazon and travel are a different animal. We'll yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. It's going to be a good discussion. But I think on the next slide, so now we're on slide three, part of what makes Amazon such a tough competitor is that they, customers really love the Amazon experience. And again, we put some, some charts on the slide just showing this is the American Consumer Satisfaction Index. So it's a poll of, of you know, customers. What businesses do you like? And they sort of rank and score it. And you can see that consistently Amazon is one of the top uh, scoring businesses in, in America. You know, customers really like it, and that is a, a competitive advantage to them. So you should care because they love the experience, the Amazon experience. Consumers really do love Amazon. I love my Amazon Prime and the free shipping. So what about Amazon's edge? 85 for Amazon versus 78 for Expedia or Priceline. Is that a real competitive advantage for Amazon? How significant is that? You know, it's hard to quantify that exact number until like what the edge is, but I, I think it matters. It really is there. And you know, let's just, again, let's just stay focused on the Amazon company. Maybe we'll go to the next slide, slide four, and let's just lay the groundwork and talk about what does make Amazon such a formidable co company and why do customers really like it. And what we did is we sort of broke down their business model. And I think that these are lessons you can take away from Amazon. Number one was, you know, all about the flywheel. So Amazon has this, this term they've coined, they call it the Amazon flywheel. And that's what this diagram on the right-hand side sort of leads to repeat traffic, they can then bring sellers onto their platform, more sellers on their platform, this greater selection, which leads to a better customer experience and the cycle repeats. That's pretty easy to understand. I mean, it's a good business model. But I think what's really fascinating is that they have this second loop going on there where as they grow, they can lower their cost structure, they can lower their prices, they can take those prices and reinvest them in the customer experience. And so what's interesting is that these two loops, they're interconnected. You speed up one, and you speed up either one of those two, you know, cycles and you accelerate the other one. So really what we're saying is that the company just really designs itself well to capture forward positive momentum. I think that's a great lesson to think about, like how can you capture momentum? The other part of it is they're, they're all about their own, the customer, you know, ruthlessly eliminating pain points throughout the shopping experience. That goes to customer experience. I also think to our earlier conversation about satisfaction, they've done a great job with loyalty. If you think about the Prime program as really a loyalty program, I think it says a lot that they actually get their customers to pay them for a loyalty program. Mm -hmm. And part of how they do that is by focusing on, on the back end, the infrastructure and their supplier relationship. So I think you can kind of study that. And those are kind of, in my mind, business model lessons that apply to almost any industry. That would certainly be a twist compared to uh, travel loyalty programs. Yeah. So the next slide, um, Amazon tried travel and uh, they abandon it. Yeah, Dennis, tell us, but I, I know you were really covering the story of this beat pretty thoroughly. Yeah, we had some uh, contracts that uh, came to us clandestinely uh, over the transom, so that was uh, pretty exciting when we got that. So if you aren't familiar with uh, what Amazon has done in travel, before 2015, for several years, it offered discounted hotel rooms and deals through Amazon Local. 
In November 2014, though, Skift got word and we reported exclusively that Amazon would enter travel with a retail or published rate hotel business. So the idea was um, that they would have uh, hotels pay them 15% commissions and consumers would redeem uh, their travel through Amazon local travel vouchers. And they would offer a, they would try to offer a comprehensive hotel program rather than just offering hotel deals merely here and there. The result was Amazon Destinations, which it launched in April 2015. Amazon Destination offered hotel stays within easy driving distance of six metro areas in the U.S., including the Pacific Northwest, Southern California, the Northeast, the Atlanta area, Houston, and San Francisco. But one of the problems was that Amazon seemed to be sending out salespeople to sign up hotels one at a time, although it might have had some discussions with aggregators as well. Long story short, Amazon destinations went nowhere fast, and six months later, in October 2015, Amazon shut down the business. The, co- the company wasn't very forthcoming about you know, why it tried and failed, what happened, um, although it said it did learn a lot of lessons, I guess the hard way. Which brings us to our next slide, and that is... Will Amazon one day resume travel operations? Well, never say never, but as Amazon apparently found out and what many people in the industry could have told them is that the travel hotel business isn't easy. For example, I I was thinking about Expedia uh, in the last few weeks, which has a more than two decade head start in Amazon in the hotel business. And their CFO spoke at a Goldman Sachs conference a couple of months ago actually in June, and he said that he expects Expedia to spend $50 million in 2018 related to accommodation supply. And Expedia CEO Mark Okerstrom spoke at the same conference, and he said one of Expedia's key strategic imperatives in 2018 is to ramp up the pace of its property acquisition. So here's a company, Expedia, 22 years after its founding, And it's still heavily involved and investing with onboarding hotel supply. Then you get to the area of the sharing economy and the problem of onboarding, you know, apartments and and igloos or whatever uh, alongside or separately from hotels and having the technology to handle these types of of different types of inventory. And that makes the whole thing even more complex. So what's Amazon's sweet spot? It's selling commodities, digging them out of warehouses and shipping them sometimes in a day or two. That's a lot different than selling vacations and once in a lifetime experiences. Yeah, so I think we'll we'll talk about that, you know, throughout the presentation. It's going to be it's going to be a really tough business for them. Can I ask Dennis when you were when you were covering the story when it first broke, like what were they charging hotels? Do you did you figure that out? Yeah, so they were charging 15% which is, and, and these were mostly, you know, smaller independent hotels, not chains. So that's a pretty competitive rate. Um, you, you have to think these days that Booking.com and Expedia might charge 25% commissions for these smaller hotels. And Airbnb, of course, is now part of the mix. Um, and they're charging hotels way uh, lower than that. But it would have, um, you know, if, if Amazon had managed to scale it up, it, it, it would have been a, uh, 
a competitive thing. Um, yeah, I feel that feels typical, right? Like Amazon competing on price that makes a lot of sense to me. Really put pressure on the market. Sure. Um, let, and let's let's move forward. Let's talk about kind of travel a little more. So now we're on slide seven, and what we did here. This is a, it's small text, so we apologize, but we kind of tried to break down. Look at consumer expenditures and break it into different categories of consumption. And what I think is fascinating about this chart is that, you know, books, which was Amazon's original product, those make up less than 1% of, of all consumer expenditures. And Amazon has gone on from there and it now participates in almost 25% of consumer expenditures. And that number is growing. You know, they recently added healthcare. We talked about that. And so one of the big verticals that they don't really have a presence on is travel. That's almost 3% of consumer expenditures. So you know, you're right. We don't know if they're going to come back. They tried. It was a real big challenge, but I'm pretty sure it's at least on their radar. I'm sure they're thinking about it. It's a good chunk of change there. Oh, it's definitely on their radar. And um, But do they really have to be in everything? That's the question. You know, one thing I was thinking about, it's interesting. Um, many leisure travel companies, particularly startups, fail because people take vacations only once or twice a year. Accor Hotels is busy buying companies left and right so it can you know, so it could have some offerings outside of travel and become an everyday consideration. Hyatt's loyalty program is now offering ride sharing and gym memberships. So people will use the Hyatt loyalty program more. Yeah, uh, you know, actually, that's, that's a really great point, Dennis, because like everyone wants to be the quote unquote Amazon of travel. But, you know, who would who would do it better than, than Amazon. Amazon itself? <laughs> And, uh, you know, let's move on to our next slide. That's slide eight. And uh, on this one, you know, this kind of speaks to your point, Dennis, that what would their, let's, let's imagine they were to compete directly in travel. What would their strengths be? It would certainly be their Amazon Prime membership base. You know, we recently got new numbers out there and there's 100 million plus Prime subscribers now and they're all paying, you know, real money. So we estimate- And the prices just went up. And the, price, and the prices just went up. Yeah. And, and, you know, those customers spend, you know, two times as much as the average customer. They prefer to shop on Amazon. We think that they're generated now from subscriptions alone upwards of, you know, $9.9 billion from prime revenue. And you have to think pretty much all that money is going back into the customer experience in some way, whether it's going towards shipping costs, whether it's going towards, you know, in investment in price, it's going towards that. And then this direct online traffic slide, this is almost exactly your point. You know, Amazon has a lot higher direct traffic just because there's so many everyday transactions that people do on the site that they're there anyways. They're there. It's part of their life, you know, every day. So I think you have to think that would make them a very formidable competitor. On the other hand, and we'll move forward one more slide here, we actually, you know, ran a survey. You're, you're right. You know, travel is for many people, especially leisure travel. It's a very, you know, once a year kind of experience, can be very expensive, very complex booking process. So you want to have a lot of trust in who you're booking it with. And we, we fielded a survey and we said, you know, how would you feel about purchasing some or all of your travel on Amazon? And it was, it was very negative, actually. We got 42% of people said very unlikely. Another 16% said they were unlikely. So, you know, there's a, there's a trust issue to overcome there. Uh, you know, the silver lining is on the right-hand side here where we said, okay, well, would you be likely or very likely? And we split it by demographic. And it's the 25 to 34-year-olds, so it's millennial demographics. We're the most willing to give them a shot. So, so all of that distrust is is uh, subject to change. That and and once people saw Amazon, you know, easing some of the pain points in travel, if that were possible, you know, the survey would it, probably it, come yeah, out it differently. It could come out differently. So it just goes to show that that there are real challenges. Uh, and you know, an, another set of challenges that's on the next slide. We're now on slide ten again, uh, and this is all what you were talking about. It's those supplier dynamics. How many rooms? 
can you actually have available online and look at what expedient bookings have done. They're growing dramatically. They have large property counts, large alternative accommodation inventory. That's going to be really tough to replicate. So and they still have a long way to go. Yeah, absolutely. That's why it was interesting when Amazon did enter travel. Uh, then Expedia CEO uh, Derek Kasershahi uh, was quoted as saying, "You know, welcome to the party, man." I mean, yeah, he didn't. He really didn't seem overly concerned. Uh, which brings us to the next slide. Uh, would Amazon buy or partner rather than build from the ground up if it decided to re-enter travel? So given Amazon's difficulties and the failed attempt it, it had so far in trying to build a hotel booking business from the ground up and the huge gap it would face that we mentioned uh, against the likes of Expedia, Booking.com and Airbnb uh, and all the local players, uh, it seems likely that Amazon would buy its way into travel uh, if it decided to p pursue travel again rather than build its own. Amazon has the definitely has the means to acquire a major player in travel. But the coughs would probably be out of its usual comfort zone. When you look at Whole, Fo Whole Foods, which it bought for $13.7 that was Amazon's largest acquisition to date. And then thinking about perhaps buying a company like uh, TripAdvisor um, and getting into MetaSearch, you know, TripAdvisor could probably be had for around that Whole Foods range. Expedia, though, might cost about $25 billion or so, or about double what Amazon paid for Whole Foods. In addition, you have to think, at least in the short time, about the regulatory antitrust environment uh, right now. Uh, it is an opportune for a Amazon, as the uh, current person in the White House, has been railing against Amazon's supposed sweetheart deal uh, with the post office, for example. And he isn't really fond of uh, Washington Post owner um, Jeff Bezos. Amazon could also probably go the partnership route <clears throat> like Expedia did with Groupon Getaways a few years ago. It was called Groupon Getaways with Expedia, where Expedia pro provided hotels for Groupon vacation packages. But sharing the revenue and the user experience doesn't seem like it'd be a long-term solution or a very satisfying one for Amazon. Amazon also does have a small travel ads business, and that has the potential uh, to be a bigger part of the business, um, you know, in the future, given Amazon's uh, huge traffic numbers. Yeah, so I think what we can talk about for the rest of, of our, our you know, talk is, is, you know, it's not just threats. There's, a, there's an opportunity section here as well in terms of, like, can Amazon actually partner with and help the, the travel industry? And on the next slide, here's one of the ways... That, that it could, you know, be a partner, and that's talking about advertising. I, I think it's really fascinating that Amazon has, you know, kind of sneakily built this really large ad business. Amazon now has a larger, at more ad revenues than Twitter does. So I think that's that to me really speaks to how how big it's become. Now, you know, it is mostly focused on product ads and product listing, so not super applicable to travel, but. Slowly, it's becoming more suitable for, for travel. They're offering more display ads on the Amazon.com website. They're building out a third-party network. I think IMDb is a big partner of theirs for display advertising. But I think the big question mark, obviously, for Amazon and, and advertising is going to be actually search advertising and voice search. That's a huge question mark. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's hard to say how that's going to play out. I, I love this, this stat that I've got. This is Google, but it's similar technology. In 2013, Google got one out of every four words wrong. 
and today they get one out of every 20 words wrong, just wow. uh, five years later. So it's really become a powerful technology. And, uh, you know, uh, this is e-marketer number here, but, you know, Amazon's Echo, 71% of those who used a, a voice-activated assistant in the last month used an Amazon Echo. So they have huge market share in these devices. There's this growing thing of voice search. The technology is getting there. Do I think people are going to be booking travel and trips, you know, uh, by voice tomorrow? No. But it's something to keep in mind that anything that kind of can pry some market share away from Google or Facebook in, in advertising, I think is a good thing for the industry. It's interesting that you talk about the opportunities for travel players, uh, you know, with Amazon's ad business. I'm sure, you know, some of the large players that are paying Google billions of dollars annually would welcome the stronger Amazon in, in travel advertising. And, you know, sometimes it seems as though travel companies talk about a Amazon as if it's part of the axis of evil. But if Amazon indeed entered travel, search, or booking, most likely th through an acquisition, let's not forget it would probably be a very positive development for travelers, all things being equal, because Amazon focuses on winning share and driving down prices, which consumers would welcome, and it would inject new competition. You know, there. If Amazon was successful, of course, it would could re reorder the, uh, you know, the lineup of uh, leading travel players. That's for sure. Yeah, and I think that's a great point about like the axis of evil. Like, you know, Amazon Amazon recently pulled almost all of its Google product listing ads, so they certainly don't see themselves as an alliance with with Google. I think they see themselves as competitors. So that's an interesting dynamic. And then the la one of the last things for for where Amazon could really partner with the travel industry is in smart devices, especially in the hotel room. You know, there's they just launched actually uh, this Alexa for hospitality, which is this partnership to try and get more of these Alexa devices into hotel rooms. They've had some trial partnerships with some major hotel brands, Marriott, Best Western, Wynn, Dream Hotels. I mean, so far it's it's been small scale. But, you know, I think certainly people are excited about it. And it's mostly been focused on the guest experience, uh, you know, but there could even be potential for, you know, housekeeping servers to use the, these voice devices in their rooms for efficiency. But, you know, that's still really early days. But I do think it's exciting. You're going to see more connected devices, more Internet of Things type devices. And, you know, certainly Amazon has a leading position there. I think you could you could see more about those two partnering there. You know, um, you know, I think that's really interesting. Um, I don't think there's many. There are many companies out there that are good at personalization. Yet, uh, Amazon is among the best, and it is far from from perfect in personalization. Uh, you know, it's great when you know it's pretty good when it comes to recommending movies or books. But coupled with its data learnings from Alexa and voice-based search, um, this could be you know a really powerful thing when it comes to uh, personalization and travel. And yeah, and to your point, like I mean. You know, a lot of these hotel and airline brands, they are, do a really good job of, of getting customer data. But, um, you know, at the same time, how many times you really get to interact with the customer, whereas Amazon can interact with the customer every single day. So that, you know, they have a lot of data. I think that is going to be one of the big questions and the challenges. And this is our last slide, slide 14. You know, who owns the data and is there a conflict of interest there? Does Marriott so far has been reluctant to plug their, you know, Alexa for Hospitality program into their loyalty program. So does it really know who the customer is? You know, do you see that kind of integration and how do you deal with that? And of course, also, you know, privacy. I, I, I might be a little worried if I had a speaker in my room and... My Alexa is shut down. Really? Yeah. I just, uh, you know, I don't want Alexa listening to me every minute. So, yeah, it's sitting there on the shelf, unplugged. Um, 
Well, yeah, <laughs> there you go. There you go. And, you know, you don't want that as an inconvenience. And there's, by the way, there's other stuff too. You know, there's, you know, Amazon bought this ring device so that you've got uh, doorbells, you've got thermostats, there's all sorts of connected devices. So there's a lot of potential there. And, you know, also there's the iPod docking station. That was not really quite the innovation it was set up to be. So you do have to wonder, is it a gimmick or is it real? I think right now it's kind of a gimmick, but there's real potential down the line. And there's also a question of, you know, would Amazon share the data with its hotel partners? We know this has been a very sore point in the travel industry. The hotels are pissed off at the OTAs. They've been so for for years and years because the OTAs don't really share much data. So uh, it would be very interesting to see how that plays out. And if the hotels would be willing to kind of enter into that partnership again, I think when they when they agreed to not share the data, it wasn't as valuable as it is today. But I think those those are our thoughts. We're trying to think about the uh, the landscape, Amazon and travel. Definitely a lot of impact, both threats and also opportunities. I'm excited to talk about it. And so let's open it up to, to Q&A. We'd love to, if you guys have any questions, love to have that. And we have with us uh, Skiff Business Travel Editor, Andrew Shivakman, who will uh, handle the questions. Thanks, guys. Um, I am manning the computer, so give me one second to look at the chat. And someone's asking where you can get the materials, which someone posted nicely below. Oh, so it's uh, skiff.com slash Amazon hyphen slides. Yep, there's someone who is asking for insight into sort of the fraud on the Amazon platform with respect to that and how that would fit in with travel because we do know these kinds of things happen on Airbnb, happen on online booking sites. What do you guys think? Is that a problem or if they start travel selling? Well, so that, that's like a really good, that's actually a great question. And so, you know, Amazon is dealing increasingly with some of these issues of, of fraud on its site where you buy a product and you don't get one you want. And you're right, that does happen on Airbnb as well. You know, Amazon is somewhat vulnerable to it because they open up their platform to third-party sellers. Um, and now I think over half of, of the, the products sold and shipped on Amazon come from third-party sellers now. So it's a big part of their business. I think that they are dealing with those issues of fraud in the physical space as well. It's a little harder with travel because you can't return travel. You can return a bad product. So you know, maybe they start off by only doing it first part. If they were to do something, they start off by only doing it first party. You know, they don't let third party sellers do it. You know, we saw when they entered the space before, they kind of went slow, you know, slow, or they partner with someone like an affiliate, Expedia, who, who has to verify the data for them. But it's a real risk, and they're, they're building all these algorithms and stuff for it too. Airbnb is, is dealing with it already. It's a risk for everybody in the travel industry, and in particular, the sharing economy. I know, you know, HomeAway and Airbnb, I know a group of travel professionals who booked an Airbnb uh, at a, a conference in Los Angeles. These are savvy internet online travel professionals, and they booked an Airbnb that didn't actually exist. And the doorman told them when they showed up, oh, you're not the first group to show up. There is no Airbnb here. Very interesting. All right. So here's a good one. This is from Jeff. So he's thinking about partnerships. This question, how do you see Amazon partnering with startups and travel versus trying to partner with larger companies if they do indeed get more involved? You know, thanks, Jeff. That's, so that's a good question. I think... Well, so I'm actually thinking, let me think a little bit outside of kind of hotels and airlines we talked about, but we did this report on vacation rentals, which are, you know, a lot, plenty of them are small businesses, uh, plenty of startups. 
And a lot of those people that, that we spoke with that for that report were very interested in using all sorts of uh, you know, smart devices. Uh, door, I put the picture of the doorbell, but doorbells for check-ins and key exchanges, smart thermostats, um, you know, Alexa devices in the home. So I think, especially at a smaller company, it's a little bit easier to use some of the consumer products. And then you know, where you need a real enterprise solution, where they have this now Alexa for hospitality division, um, you know that is that is maybe more suitable for for a large company. So I think, I think as they div, you know build out new skills, new tools, uh, new devices, they do have a consumer first focus, and so I think a lot of small businesses could partner there. You see, you know, Booking.com and Expedia um, buying a lot of different technology companies. You know, for hotel hotel tech and you know in the hotel communications kind of thing, and Amazon has bought a lot of companies. So not partnering per se, but I, you know, would definitely see them, you know, on the prowl for uh, attractive travel startups to buy. Do you guys think from Anonymous that since Amazon has immense consumer data, they can do better recommendation of travel deals based on purchase capacity, user patterns, uh, that sort of thing? Because it's true, they do have quite a lot of data and people are touching the Amazon site every day looking for stuff. And the answer is absolutely, and yes. I mean, that's sort of what we're talking about, who owns the data and how does those partnerships play out. I know that, you know, we've read that in their, in their advertising business, they are working very hard on building, for instance, like lookalike audiences. Customers who buy all these things will also like XYZ product. And I think there's a lot of potential for figuring out, you know, demographics of the customer, buying habits of the customer, and searching habits of the customer. Uh, it's definitely, I think they can ha- they can have a lot of recommendation engines there. They spend a lot of time and money on their recommendation engines. And Amazon has more than a decade experience in personalized recommendations. So you'd think they'd do well. Okay. This is an interesting one from Claire. Do you feel like Amazon will, be, will do better potentially in mid-scale um, travel as opposed to luxury travel? Thinking about the kind of people who buy on Amazon and the types of problems that some online booking sites have had with very expensive packages and trips. I'll just grab that one first. And thank you for the question, Claire. That's actually, that's actually a great one. And I, I would agree. I do think that's right. And you know, even going back all the way to my very first slide where we talked about customer satisfaction, you know, I, I couldn't show every single travel brand there, but the luxury travel brands have very high customer satisfaction scores up there and comparable with, with Amazon. So I think they know how to do that very tailored experience. What Amazon has managed to do is to do that at scale. Um, so I think that's certainly you know their advantage is customer satisfaction at scale, which would fit well with a, a you know a mid tier. And and Amazon's legacy in travel is deals. You know, looking for discounts rather than some kind of a luxury play. Okay. So last question. This one's a bit of a complicated one. Those are the best. Those are the best. We'll try our best. Yes, Seth. I'll try to read it. Um, so it's from Diego. What is the future of brands in a voice-based search environment? If I ask Alexa, can you please book me a hotel for tomorrow? Where is Alexa going to place the booking? I mean, so this is an interesting thing to explore. We're way before this, but I want to know what you guys think. Just when you look down the road, it's going to take some real partnerships um, between different groups to make this happen, right? You know, I don't know if anyone really has the answer for that. Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, that's probably one of the toughest questions facing not just travel, but like 
internet and search today, you know, voice search really raises the stakes because it's easy for me to scroll through 10 different, 100 different hotel results today on a desktop. But if I ask Alexa a question and it gives me back one answer or two answers, it has to pick the absolute right answer. And by the way, can they even sell ads against that? Because if the best answer is, uh, you know, you know, whatever, Hotel A, but Hotel A doesn't bid for it, you know, Hotel B, sorry, it's a bad example. Like, I'm getting confused myself. Like, let's say they, they show a, a bid as an ad, a sponsor ad as their top result, and it's not the ideal result, then the customer is going to be really dissatisfied and they're not going to trust voice search anymore. So there is a matter of, like, integrity. If I'm only going to get one result, it has to be the best. And let's be real, like, sometimes if the advertised hotel is not the ideal fit. So it's a real challenge. I'm not, you know, we'll see how it evolves. I don't think it's going to get there yet. It's too complex a transaction. I think it starts with smaller stuff. What does the weather look like? What do local activities look like? Can I book a flight or change a flight or upgrade a hotel? Um, it starts small and then you develop from there. But it comes down to personalization and that data source that we were talking about. And a lot of the brands are putting their own, you know, Alexa skills out there. So, so there's that. So I think we're going to, um, to, to wrap up. Thank you so much for taking the time and joining us on our Skift call today. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as we did. I loved it. If you have any further questions, please feel free to email us or, or tweet at us, hashtag Skift call. Um, you know, much of the data from this report is included in our Skift research report, which is called Amazon Lessons, Threats, and Opportunities for Travels. Subscribers can check out the full report on the website, as well as all of our other Skift research reports on the website at research.skift.com. Uh, thank you very much. If you enjoy conversations like this one, consider attending our live events. Skift Restaurants Forum is September 24th in New York City, followed by Skift Global Forum, also in New York City, on September 27th and 28th. Find out more at forum.skift.com. This show was produced by Ben Glowey, who can be found on Twitter at visible underscore sound. Assistant editor Sarah Enlow provided additional support. To subscribe to this podcast, search for Skift on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you find your podcasts. If you like what you hear, please leave a rating and a comment to help other listeners find us. Past episodes and a link to subscribe are online at podcast.skift.com. And this has been the Skift Podcast. Thanks for listening.